is like how a marriage can be, can be. If you focus too much to make music for teenager, I think it will fall through. It's music's strong point that it takes over where language isn't sufficient. Welcome to another episode of Talking Experiments by Borealis, a festival for experimental music in Bergen, Norway. I'm Christiane Melgaard, and this week I'm meeting with the artists and composers behind a new performance work called Psst 2. This is the Oyvind with the, with the blonde hair talking. And uh, now uh, Oyvind with the dark hair is talking. <laughs> okay. Oh yeah, yes. Yes. Um, I'm Oyvind with the dark hair. And I'm Frederick with the brown hair. <laughs> Eivind Heglunde, the blonde one, and Eivind Skarbø, the dark one, are two drummers who, joined by illustrator Frederik Ruschedal, are in the middle of creating a new world of experimental sound, percussion and visual that is specifically aimed at teenagers. The logo for Pst 2 has an uncanny resemblance to a high-end games console. It's potentially tricky territory, but they've got form in an age-specific composing. The last collaboration, which was commissioned by Natyas and ran at the National Theatre here in Bergen, was a playful world of drumming for young children and set around a fictional day in a child's life, including a very percussive bath time. Based in Bergen, which is, after all, a pretty small town, Irvin, Irvin and Frederik first crossed paths a long time ago. I met uh, Irvin the first time uh, in 2001. He had a little longer hair, I remember, um, at the jazz department. I just recall that I even lived in this very, very small room that's even smaller than the room you put the bucket and the washing equipment in. Was it the one where I had the pants uh, on the wall? I guess so. On the spikes, yes. But when I met them in the studio in a converted meat factory called Bergen Schutt down by the ocean, I wanted to know how this particular artistic collaboration got started. I guess two is uh, started a little bit uh, around this topic of real life uh, uh, and uh, social media, like the meeting of those two two uh, topics. We had this very silly idea when we were driving on a tour uh, that the next <laughs> the next uh, show should be for youth, and the next there again would be for like middle aged people, and then for old people. Uh, so th- I think that was like just something we were joking about, but suddenly it turned out to become the reality. At least for me, it's very exciting to to have like a age limit somehow uh, in mind of how to compose and how to make something. It kind of uh, brings the the yeah, you make some decisions that you definitely wouldn't do if you made it for a typical uh, contemporary art audience or how to say it. So in uh, just a, the same was with Pst One, who was for children. It kind of put us into a not a corner, but into a place where we really had to uh, play around with ideas and and uh, techniques or methods that would never happen in my uh, normal uh, composing for a regular adult uh, audience. So uh, I, I find it very fascinating to go through this. Uh, kind of uh, fixed uh, audience ideas of making music for a specific age. And uh, it just brings other ideas to to the, the whole play because of that. 
So what are the challenges of making music for teenagers? If you focus too much to make music for teenagers, I think it will fall through in a way. So I think we were quite... Um, was important from the beginning that we wouldn't like try too hard uh, we, we should make what we really uh, want to make but we still reflect very much on on top of it because you know youth and children it's very very um, big chance that you make something that it's the first time they hear it uh, it's a very nice position to have so what do you think about this combination or this hybrid between the visual arts and music? What does it bring or give to the performance? I think it's interesting to to find uh, like uh, something opposite in each of those two uh, materials. I think about that when I make the music for this, that it should of course stick to itself, the music, but it shouldn't be 100% like something I would put on, out on the record. It's it's made for a, a stage. It's not the album music. And that's really important to know uh, or think about in this process that I know that Frederick and also we have people on lights here and they will add something that will do the 100%. And uh, it's also, also about sharing, I think. I, I shouldn't come with something that is just, whoa, amazing, something I really think is totally perfect, finished. I need to have Frederick and Oivin adding something to it so it also becomes a cooperation and also that it becomes 100% sound together with visuals. Yeah, that's a good reflection. I think I am very relaxed because I, I know that uh, the sum that these two guys are adding are really good. <laughs> so if I make something crappy, it will still be quite good. <laughs> Yeah, I feel the same. It's, it's actually very <laughs> relaxing and making the process very like calm. Uh, why did you think that it was necessary for you to go from playing instruments and composing to using your bodies as performers, as you did, for instance, in the children performance? We were telling a um, narrative, like we were dramatizing a day. So I think that was the natural form of that uh, whole concept and um, and you are not afraid to uh, to act i think also it it somehow in the subconscious comes out of uh, doing many many children concerts earlier like uh, me and i even had some uh, uh, concerts for children uh, when we called ourselves crab is crap and we brought in a guest and we did so many shows for children doing totally free impro and it was super educating and uh, for me it's been one of the best schools in learning uh, improvisation or learning about improvisations to play for children and I think back in the days when we did that it was uh, we maybe did a little bit too much of acting anything could happen any strange idea or an idea wasn't strange enough it the more strange the better i think it came out of those years and the whole history of doing children concerts and we wanted to do something that was not that over dramatic in the sense of mimics and stuff playing a little bit cooler being a little bit more ourselves and also uh, don't feel that we are doing a children's show with like a clowny nose or something. So I think somehow, since you asked, I haven't thought about it before now, but I think that's maybe one reason why it ended up being more 
theatrical. Yeah, I think it has to be with uh, being comfortable on stage and uh, using that side of us. And at least personally, for me, it started. Uh, I can define the evening it started because I did a dru- duo drum concert with Kresten Oskod, and he's uh, really into just crazy stuff happening. And that was the wildest concert I ever played, and I had no idea. And after that changed everything, I started realizing you can use yourself in a physical way and it can impact the music and it can make so-called difficult music more easily digestive for people or or get people on your side if you feel a resistance in the room. So I started exploring that a lot in in, in regular concerts or like doing things, bringing, finding stuff backstage to play or just any ideas. And I... I needed to do that, but I I needed to take it too far. And later I've scaled it down a lot because I, I think now I thought that it was needed a lot more often than it actually was. But you find your strengths also during this process. Like for you, I think you found like these announcers, like you are a very strong announcer uh, in public somehow. Like you feel very confident and and feel like uh, doing a lot of... Uh, things there and uh, for, as the, as uh, how I saw it from the outside you kind of uh, gained that experience from those uh, duo gigs with Kresten and it become kind of like your artist um, yeah how you are an, as an artist somehow like later. yeah maybe uh, maybe it probably started with him but that was just a decision I decided because in, in any band no one wants to do the talking and I was so fed up with this. Uh, just and I just decided at one point, I'm going to get good at this. I'm going to, someone has to do it. I'm going to do it. And once you start doing that, then you're in, because no one is, the others still don't want to do it. So you get to do it every time. And uh, so I just started playing with that. And it was very simple because I realized if you say any, at least in the jazz world, if you say anything different than the name of the players or the name of the song, then people start, <laughs> what? <laughs> you can say anything. Uh, they're so used to hearing all this boring information with names. So anything outside of that, it's like uh, you're making it easier to connect. And so I just kept doing it. I really like when you don't censor yourself uh, because I think you're very funny. <laughs> well, <laughs> so thank I you. I love it when you do those <laughs> announcements. <laughs> Eivind and Eivind, you are both drummers and uh, have known each other for many years. Are you rivals or friends? Uh, I would say friends, first of all. <laughs> I would say it's a bit of both. <laughs> okay, I'm, it's like I'm, it's, I'm, a, I'm it's, just a, it's friends. like a, it's a marriage. Yeah, yeah. Maybe that's the best term, actually. Yeah. It's a pretty solid, yeah, solid one. The one where you you have your roles and you you do the same. I mean, he takes care of the car and I uh, <laughs> I clean the shirts. Can I ask a question? Because I've observed for some years now. So Interesting. Um, so, like, because they are both very nerdy when it comes to drums. They, like, uh, talk about all the details and some magazines and uh, YouTube videos they have been seen with some drum stuff and they are talking about making their own symbols and stuff like that so I, I'm like then I'm just like uh, 
taking a po- mental pause when they talk about all those things. So they they are very on the same level of like nerdy level. But but when it comes to the practice, they are super different. Mm. So so I just wonder if you sometime is that like uh, is that uh, a result of that you know each other and work together very close that you are very different in your musical expression or has it always been like that maybe you should uh, define it uh, a little bit about this uh, difference it's interesting uh well yeah i think your drumming are very melodic and very concise rhythms in my ears while well, you are more floating and uh and much more um like It's, it's you're going in some other directions very many times I feel but that's also because we're two different people uh, so it's uh, very good to hear that it's different but you you are very systematic you're very like um, yeah. almost in the very in the details and but you are much more like uh, flying around and uh, I see myself as very systematic but I know what you mean yeah. I think we, at least when we compose, I think we compose from uh, uh, very different methods. Mm-hmm. I think even uh, likes ideas and works from those mm-hmm. more. And I work more from a sound maybe and follow it uh, in general. But actually I have an analysis if we, uh, between the difference between the two of us that I thought of for some years. I never shared it with you. <laughs> But I think it explains some things, if it's correct. Because I... I feel that maybe there's um every person has some kind of fundamental way of feeling rhythm that is different and I always felt that even was more 16th based mm-hmm. and I was more triplet based mm. uh, and I think also because um like earlier uh we he would put on a record and say check out this groove and it's like maybe some pop rock kind of thing mm-hmm. and i wouldn't i wouldn't uh, it wouldn't mean anything to me mm-hmm. but he was like really into it mm-hmm. and then i would play maybe some more funk oriented more looser and i could see i'm not i wasn't getting the reaction from him that i that i was feeling so this uh, theory started uh, developing mm-hmm. i'm, I'm going to work on it some more but that's just a It's a thought I've had. When Ivan uh, 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 with the blonde hair is working, he is um, very concentrated with the rhythms, and suddenly you hear, and then he continues, and then so he's uh, rewarding himself a lot uh, <laughs> during the process. Uh, I uh, yeah. started to do that, and it's very actually working very good. Yeah. With my self-esteem. But I, th- I, f- I hear when we play together, I think of it as one instrument. Also because I know he's playing so well. And also, uh, yeah, I think we've also done duo drumming so many years that I can- we kind of know many possibilities. And each time we play, I think of one whole homogenic outcome. So... When also now when we work with this, I think uh, as, as a sum of music, not uh, two drummers, it's uh, still uh, uh, the whole and the essence. That's the whole key here. Not uh, that he's one drummer and I'm one drummer. I was just going to ask whether the image or the music would come first in the process. Do you hear the 
the music while doing the images or is it the other way around? You know, the first time we worked together, it was a lot of the music was done and I made the visuals. But in many cases, uh, they had to revisit the sound after they seen what I've done. Uh, so then it plays ball a little bit. Uh, this time we tried to we have tried to uh, do both that I make something and they make the sound but but uh, when uh, when I uh, evaluate the process uh, they produce sounds very much faster than I produce visuals <laughs> it's a very fun challenge uh, I, I find when Frederick makes something uh, very specific and asks for the sound like uh, last week he was doing a PlayStation logo mock-up. So then I need to be forced into doing like something that could have been on a PlayStation when you started up. That sound, those kind of challenges, I like it. Yeah, yeah. I, I have I have a question because um, when I make images, uh, uh, if it's not abstract, it's simplified or quite figurative or realistic. It has to contain a meaning very fast. Where I feel a little bit envious on you musicians because I feel you are not... You can, Of course, if you play Western tune, then there are a lot of meaning in it. So I, I don't say it's not the meaning in music and sound, but I feel that you are a little bit more freer. And uh, if I just make an image, it has to be a message or something behind it. Do you feel that when you make music? Music, I feel somehow it's easier not that uh, it's easier to uh, that it doesn't have to have a meaning. It's just sound. I think I think it's music's strong point that it uh, it uh, takes over uh, where language uh, isn't sufficient. So, but uh, then again, there's a lot of music that's also uh, very intellectual and needs some kind of context. Personally, I'm not. Uh, attracted to it I'm, I'll, I'll go by the emotions most of the time but it's not going to say that it's not interesting for someone else So why are you interested in performing at Borealis? How does your work fit into Borealis? Borealis is quite a prestigious festival in the contemporary music and art scene I feel like to be allowed to do a big performance there is uh, yeah I think it's pretty cool for me it's nice to uh, be on a stage with where the audience at least the grown-up audience maybe are expecting more experimental stuff i think the the focus on um, on gender equality has has meant maybe the most to me like two years ago two or three years ago i had this realization when i was at the festival that it's it's a very different vibe to a lot of other uh, festivals it's not it's not written in big letters or anything it's just there the audience is much more mixed and everyone on stage is mixed and the atmosphere is very different from it to the better and it uh, made a big change in how i see my own bands and how i want to uh put them together so Actually, that had a big impact on on me. Just from experiencing, no one's talking too much about it. It just you just experience it, and it's a big difference. Yeah. I think that's very important. Thank you so much. Thank you. We are so pleased, and 
Looking forward to your performance in March. Me too. <laughs> Thanks so much to Erwin, Erwin and Frederik for talking to me. PS2 will premiere at Borealis Festival of Experimental Music on Sunday the 21st of March at Åsane Kulturcenter. All of the music you've heard today was composed and performed by Erwin Skarby and Erwin Hedlinde. You can find more details of all of our projects at borealisfestival.no and do check out the other episodes of Talking Experiments to hear more about the 2021 festival. Also, please make sure to spread the word and give us a review wherever you get your podcasts. Talking Experiments was presented and produced by me, Christiane Melgo, for Borealis.